Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Home Service. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com. Now here's Pastor Gary Fitzgerald. Rest beyond the You agree going to Pastor Gary, who will be preaching the sermon. God bless you. Okay, good morning, church. Um, well, it's a pleasure to be able to come this morning and bring the word of God. And we are surely living in the last days, and we are living in some very interesting times, and we're all feeling aspects of the pressure that. Um, is uh, a sign of things that is to come. But uh, above all, amen, we know that all these things point to ultimately the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this brings me to the message that I want to share with you this morning, something possibly a little bit different. But I want to look at um, earthquakes. And so we know that just uh, I mean, there's so much that going on. It feels like it was so long ago, but really it was just a week and a half ago in which we had here a, uh, an earthquake. It wasn't major. It wasn't devastating but and deadly in that sense, but um, it was felt. It was real. And, um, and if the epicenter had been in Melbourne, they tell us it would have been worse. But nevertheless, it happened. And I heard even just last night there was an earthquake um, in the Pacific Ocean there and not far from those islands of uh, Fiji and Vanuatu. I believe it was even felt some of the tremors in um, in Brisbane, in Queensland. That's how it was a seven or something like that on the Richter scale. And so the reality is, is that our earth is enduring and suffering from earthquakes. So the question should be asked as to why. And so... Um, what are we to make of these things? Uh, did the earthquake that we experienced here in Melbourne and across the world and the various earthquakes throughout history, are all of these things just uh, a coincidence? Are they, um, um, uh, or are they a sign of the times in which we live? I mean, what, how, do, how are we to interpret these things? What does the Bible actually say? What does the Bible teach us in relation to these particular issues? Is God in the earthquake? Is there a message in it for us? And so these are all critical questions that uh, we would do well to ask rather than just dismiss them as some, something that's just related to nature itself. Believing in God, understanding the Bible, uh, knowing that what is to come and everything that's going on around us, the whole issue of earthquakes has to be understood biblically. Why, uh, you know, the question, would God even send an earthquake? And if he did, why would he do that? What's the message? You see, these are all important questions, and I want to examine the word of God this morning. And it's not going to be exhaustive, but there are a few things I'm going to touch upon to lay some principles and some framework to what we're dealing with, because we would be silly if we just dismissed it. And just saying, oh, well, it just it just happened. And so that uh, that's not the attitude that we as Christians should take. And so here's my initial response that I want to put forth. And we'll go through this together in the word of God this morning. Uh, 
but um, uh, it's not, I'll say this, it's not a coincidence, but rather these things, I believe, scripturally speaking, are a sign. And so the question is a sign of what? A sign of what? And so these are the answers that we're going to answer as we go through the Bible this morning. But the fact that the, and, and let me just paint a picture here, okay, because I specifically remember, as you may, the, um, uh, what was going on in Victoria, especially in Melbourne, at the time in which uh, we had our earthquake here. And so it happened. The fact is it happened in conjunction with what was happening here in Melbourne politically, socially, with the upheaval that was going on around us. And I'm just sharing now the context of these things because this was what was happening. It was, uh, and so in that, in that aspect, it wasn't coincidental. In fact, uh, to my memory, and I have a clear memory of it myself, the, the nation, or sorry, the city itself was in a, a heightened state is what I would call it. Um, we had just had the uh, day prior to that on the Monday, we had the, um, the protests in the city that revolved around uh, the coronavirus and the way the mandating of vaccines and all the different issues that were uh, surfacing and creating tension. And so tensions were extremely high. And so much so that we know that uh, the following day there was meant to be all these protests that were going to be organised and the, the police force was re really on, on edge, so was the Premier, and so there was just a, a high tensions on every angle. And so uh, we had, um, you know, issues of protests that were going on. And so the whole anticipation of that particular day was what was coming next, next? what was going to happen that day? And so everyone was really in a heightened state. And so the and, and so much so that even the government had taken extreme measures. I'm again, I'm just painting the picture, but the government had taken extreme measures in anticipation of what they thought could or potentially happen. And so they were uh, they had marshaled police, riot squads, um, they'd even banned the media from flying. Uh, to um, to send pictures across the world of what potentially could have happened that particular day. Um, they shut down ISP services so that the images couldn't be transferred because Melbourne was becoming quite a focal point and uh, some of the things that were going on around us were quite distressing and sad, to be honest. But nevertheless, it was the reality of what was going on. And as a result of that, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, at a particular that morning, the, the earth rattled. Now, for us, that's significant because uh, the, the truth is, is we don't really experience earthquakes. We don't. Uh, we've had a couple of minor tremors, and this was this wasn't a big earthquake either. But it was enough that it rattled. I was at home, my house rattled, and and there was a, a moving and a shaking, so much so that I was anticipating where what was coming next. And it was my second experience because I'd been in the Philippines a few years prior, and there was an earthquake there that was uh, a bit bigger than or was bigger than that one and plus uh, from what i understood they have bigger ones than that there as well but nevertheless this was what was going on and so in light of that really the earthquake really shook people up it really got people's attention like it should because really i mean the potential that could happen. Buildings could collapse. People could potentially die. Uh, these things can be catastrophic. And so it, it gets our intention, attention in such a way that um, uh, it, it sobers us up real quickly and gets us to focus on those things that are most important. And so as we consider 
the issue of earthquakes in the Bible this morning. Uh, again, I'm going to ask this question. Was it a coincidence? Did it just happen by chance? And so I want to present what the Bible says, and then let's, in, let's draw the logical conclusion as we do that, because the Bible gives us the answers. And so let's read. I want to start. What I'm going to do, actually, is I'm going to go through some various scriptures. So follow through with me. I'm going to start in Acts 16 as our text, but that's only going to be one aspect, and then we're going to move through other scriptures. So make sure that you're following with me as we work through these things. Acts 16, verse 25 to 30. Now, the Bible says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. Uh, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. The prisoners were quite happy, obviously. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, I start with this first. One, what we can determine from this particular scripture is clearly that God was in the earthquake. God caused that earthquake at that moment of time. Here's Paul and Silas for preaching the gospel. They've been imprisoned here in the Philippian jail. The Bible says uh, at midnight they're singing hymns and psalms and they're worshipping God and, and everyone is aware of what's going on. And so as a res and then shortly after that, there is a great earthquake. Now, what do we see is the result of that earthquake? Well, two, a, a few things. One, obviously, Paul and Silas, Silas were delivered. Their chains fell off, and as did the prisoners, and the prison doors opened, and they basically were free uh, to walk out of prison and continue to ultimately preach the gospel and do the will of God. But the second aspect is this, the, the jailer was so shaken up that the Bible says he feared greatly. I mean, his, this man was gripped by the fear of God. And so he knew exactly what was going on. He interpreted exactly what was happening. And so what we can determine here that the, as a result of the earthquake, this, this man was awakened. Or in other words, God awakened slumbering or sleeping souls to the reality of his presence and power and for their need to be saved. And so much so, the Bible says that the jailer, he runs to Paul and Silas and he falls down trembling and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Clearly, this man had identified and he had interpreted the fact that God was in the earthquake and that he wasn't right with God and he was in serious trouble and he comes to Paul and Silas seeking salvation. And so what we find here is that men here are in a hopeless situation. Even those prisoners, <laughs> probably a few of them got saved as well, no doubt. And, uh, and as a result from the hopelessness of this man wanting to kill himself, 
That's what the Bible says. For various reasons, obviously, he was going to be in serious uh, serious um, trouble. And so he was going to kill himself. He was in a situation of hopelessness as a result of the circumstances. And then Paul uh, speaks to him the word of God, and they, he gets radically and gloriously saved. You see, that's what, what God was doing in the midst of this earthquake, freeing Paul and Silas and saving this man and his household uh, from, from the wrath that is to come. And uh, they received God's grace. And so, again, what we can determine and draw from this is that the earthquake was no coincidence. It was no mere coincidence. And it led to the repentance of a man and to his ultimate the salvation of his soul. And what's also interesting to note, we'll see this later as we go down the study. But what we'll see is that uh, later in the book of Revelation, where God is sending earthquakes again, that uh, man this time is not falling down, fearing God on his knees, saying, Lord, what, uh, sirs, what must I do to be saved? But the Bible is actually telling us that in light of this, men are refusing, they're blaspheming God, and they are refusing to repent. So can you see Here's God in both instances in the earthquake and the response of men is, is, is the opposite. One leads to salvation, another leads to hardness of heart where he refuses to surrender and repent before God. And so God was in the earthquake. That's a fact. And so this is one of the principles of the Bible that just can't be ignored. This is a truth, a glorious truth in Scripture. Now, let's think about and turn our attention to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, because the Bible says, and it's such a, I mean, you may have read it for yourself, but when you read about the crucifixion of Jesus, and it's found in Matthew's gospel, the particular text that we're going to look at, but when you look at Jesus Christ, when he was crucified, hanging upon that cross, as he hung there, and what happened at that particular time, it is phenomenal. So and so much so that it led again to the salvation of the Roman soldier. So let's read it together in Matthew 27. And I'm going to look at verse 50. Matthew 27, verse 50. The Bible says this is while Jesus is hanging upon the cross. And when Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked. Note that, the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. I mean, this was a serious event. The rocks were split, and the verse 52, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city, and appeared to many. Now look at verse 54. So when the centurion, the Roman soldier, and those who were with him, uh, who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this is or was the Son of God. I mean, think about that. Here is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, 
hanging upon a cross as a sacrifice for humanity, allowing himself to be subjected to the most humiliating forms of death as he is beaten and, uh, uh, and, uh, and again, just utterly, utterly um, um, treated with such contempt and spite by the Jews. And here he is hanging upon a cross, enduring all that he has had to endure, suffering all that he had to suffer. And right at the moment, as he's yielding up his spirit, and giving his life, the Bible says that God shook the earth, the rocks split open, and the graves were open. Even the old saints were walking around presenting themselves to many people, which was a, is a sign of the resurrection that is to come. And so here you have the events. And what happens, the Bible says the centurions, the Roman soldiers who were there guarding uh, the events that were taking place, and uh, they looked at all of this and they saw they would have heard Jesus' words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They would have seen a man that was not uh, filled with hate or bitterness or resentment or, or angst, but one that was filled with love and mercy and, and grace. And they looked at Jesus. They understood that the earth shook, the rocks were split. And what did God speak to them? They interpreted it and they said, surely, surely this is the Son of God. You see, to the person whose heart was not biased, the Jew couldn't, you know, the earth quaked and everything was shaking, but to the Jew who was filled with such hate and resentment and bias uh, and bitterness towards Jesus, they couldn't interpret what was going on. But the centurion who was neutral to the events looked at it and said, this has to be from God. This has to be the son of God who he claimed to be. Can you see how it works? And so what I want to focus in on now and tune our attention to is and in both of these examples, the Bible says that the men feared. They feared greatly. And like any earthquake, it gets your attention. I mean, it, it causes immense fear because of the potential dangers that are associated with such, with such events. And so I want to bring your attention now to the fact that men would fear God because this is so important. So let's go back into the Old Testament, and I want to start here at the book of Exodus in chapter 19, because God had taken the Jews, Israel, out of Egypt, and he was uh, uh, brought them now to Mount Sinai, and they're about to receive the Ten Commandments through Moses. And so God's presence has come upon the mountain. And so listen to what it says in Exodus 19, verse 18. The Bible says, now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke, its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. The mountain quaked greatly. We're talking about the, 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 the earth rattling. And so here it is. We get the, the, this, the environment of what's going on, and now you say, well, then what's the purpose of such, such things? Well, let's turn to ex, uh, Exodus chapter 20, and, uh, uh, and I want to read to you from verse 18 how to interpret this, these events, not just the giving of the law, but what's happening amongst the people. So in Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, let me read it to you. The Bible says, 
This is after they've received the law. This is after the, 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 the mountain is quaking and the people are, are standing before this almighty God in his presence. It says in verse 18, now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightnings, flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. And they said to Moses, you speak with us for we and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you and that his fear may be in or may be before you so that you do not sin against him. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. So in other words, the whole event was such an awesome display of God's presence and power that Moses and the people quaked greatly. They said, Moses, we don't even want to come near the mountain lest we die. And Moses says, well, the God is doing this as a, to put the fear of God in you so uh, that you would fear him and walk worthy before him and can order your conduct aright and live in such a way that you are honouring God. And so, again, the fear of God is paramount in all of these aspects, putting fear, the fear of God. And again, we can see that God is in the earthquake. Each of these examples clearly are demonstrating to us. But let's go further and interpret the scriptures even further, because then the question says, well, does it, is, every, is every earthquake from, uh, just a punishment from God? No, we've already established that that's not the case. But let's look a little bit further and see what the scriptures teach us. Now, I want to make this statement this morning. God allows, listen to this, God allows the earth to reflect the consequences of sin in the creation. Okay? Let me read it again. God allows the earth to reflect the consequences of sin in the creation. So, in other words, because sin entered the world, the, the, the earth was created perfect. Man was created perfect. Everything in the God's creation in the beginning was good. It was perfect. And so when sin entered the world, we not only do we have the fall of man and sin enters the human race, but we see that the earth suffers immensely as well as the consequence of sin, and it ripples through the whole creation of God. And that's why the Bible teaches us prophetically. It tells us that God is not only, I mean, he has redeemed man through the cross and we know that Jesus is coming back. God's going to also destroy the wicked and those that will not repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen to what the Bible teaches us about the earth. The earth is under the consequence of man's uh, uh, sin. And so it is bearing the effects of that. And so in the book of Romans, chapter, 20, uh, chapter 8, the Bible t says these words, that, the, that, the, that the, the creation is groaning. The creation this morning is, uh, is groaning. The, 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 the from that particular curse or that uh, will be released from 
the groanings that it's experiencing. Let me read it to you in Romans chapter 8, just so that you can see and identify what I'm talking about. Romans 8, verse 20, I'm going to read from verse 21. Also, we know that the whole creation groans and with birth pangs I want to put to us now is the come upon the earth uses this phrase the beginning of sorrows which is exactly related to the what we just looked at in romans 8 it's related to childbirth it's related to the travail of childbirth and all that is associated with it so too the earth is going to experience those same dynamics now let's look at matthew 24 and i want to read from verse number eight so come with me to matthew 24 Let's look at verse number four through to verse eight. Now, Jesus is speaking here and Jesus answered his disciples and he said to them, take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, coronaviruses is a good way to interpret some of these things. And earthquakes, listen, and earthquakes in various places. Listen to verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. All these, he notes, all these natural disasters. All that's going on in on the earth in the times that will precede the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are signs that uh, of his coming. He calls them. These are the beginning of sorrows. And so earthquakes have always existed. But there's no doubt that there has been a increase in earthquakes, especially in the last 100 years. And again, these are, must be interpreted in light of the scriptures. <clears throat> as I said to you before, when a woman's about to give birth, as the scripture tells us, the analogy it uses is closer it gets to give the woman, the closer the woman gets to giving birth, the more frequent those contractions are and the stronger those construction, contractions are. And that's exactly what Jesus is teaching us here. Now, why is the earth laboring? Let me ask you that question and just see if you may have already uh, got the answer. Why is the earth laboring? 
what is the sign of the beginning of sorrows or, or what is it that it's pointing towards? What is it that it's moving towards? What is it a sign of? And so to interpret this, important because in, in the Olivet Discourse in chapter 24, verse 1, the disciples come to Jesus and they say to him, they ask him actually three questions. And they say, in, uh, it says in verse 2, and Jesus said to them, um, oh, sorry, verse 3, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, said, tell us, when will these things be in relation to the temple in the previous conversation, the destruction of the temple? And what will the sign of your coming, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So there's a number of questions that are being put to Jesus, and this is what he's talking about. So when he talks about the beginning of sorrows, he's pointing towards the, the end of the age. He's pointing towards, ultimately, his second coming, when he will come again. And this is really, really important because we understand the Bible teaches us much. It has much prophecy. There's much that's going on in the world around us. You just have to look around the world globally and see the dysfunction and see the, the, the stress and the fear and all that's going on around us and the various agendas. But you see, and we know that the Bible speaks and tells us prophetically about the Antichrist and these things. But, you know, in light of all that's going on in the prophetic purposes of God, you know what everything is pointing towards? Do you know what it's all about? See, the Christian this morning, he's not looking for the Antichrist. The Christian is looking for Jesus Christ. We are looking, and, and, and when the, the beginning of sorrows, when we consider all the labour pains, when we consider all that's going on in the earth, whether it's the coronavirus, whether it's earthquakes, whether it's any other natural disaster, and there are those that are going, there's volcanoes erupting uh, uh, in the Canary Islands. There's all of these things that are consistently going on. And what, what are we looking for? We are looking for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what the Bible tells us. The Bible says, look up for your redemption draws near. When you see these things, don't look at those things directly, but rather let them be a sign of that which is coming, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, and look to him. Let me read it to you in Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress, listen to that word, distress of nations. We're already seeing a foretaste of that today, distress of nations with perplexity, that is confusion, and the sea and the waves roaring. Listen to verse 26, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. You see, we're living in a day when men's hearts are failing them from fear. Fear that they're going to extremes. Fear that we're, uh, that, that we're losing a sense of rationale so that we can, and trying to get greater control because we think that we've, we're, we, if we can only get control, we can control this. We can, we can handle this. We can, we can do away with the virus. We can do this. We can do that. Oh, no, you can't. No, you can't because God's word is true and God's will is going to be executed on the earth and God's sovereign power will become manifested. 
And so listen again, let's go back to what verse 27, where Jesus is speaking in Luke 21. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. That's the principle, church. Lift up your heads. Look up. Don't look down because we understand this, these things touch us. We're not immune from the effects of what's going on around us. But in doing so, amen, we are exhorted to look up. We are exhorted to look to Jesus. Lift up your heads. Why? Jesus said, because, verse 28, your redemption draws near. That's why Jesus is coming. We are waiting to put off this body, whether it be in the rapture in which Jesus comes to take us home, amen, and we, because we will not be subjected to the wrath of God, or whether the, we die, whether we live or die, we die unto the Lord, and to be absent from this body is to be present with God. And so we must keep things in perspective. Naked, I come into the world naked, I go out. Our life does not consist in the things that we possess. And so sometimes we need to be shaken in order to just come to realize how futile and how temporary this world is and realize that we are not in this of this world, that we are looking to the return of Christ and to the world that is to come when Jesus returns, because we're going to be with him. Praise the Lord. We, as Titus tells us, look up. Uh, looking, the word he uses is looking to the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look up. So earthquakes, according to Jesus, in his Olivet Discourse, related to the end times, the end of the age, related to his second coming, are all speaking of and, and pointing towards, it's a sign that he's coming back. Jesus is coming back. It's a sign, amen, that Jesus is in control. It's a sign that God is executing his will and his purposes. So this brings us to the next point that I want to consider with you in relation to earthquakes, and it is this, because the Bible reveals more. You bet it does. And it is this this morning. This is the last point I want to make. It is a direct reference to the wrath of God. It is a uh, the earthquakes are a direct reference to the wrath of God. See, God's going to judge the wicked. That is clear in the Bible. And so we can see in Isaiah 13, verse chapter 13, verse 13, which speaks about the destruction of Babylon, which finds its counterpart in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, there. And so God speaks through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 13, verse 13. And God says, therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth will move out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. Now, note that Jesus is uh, God is speaking here and he's directly relating the fact that the earth will move. It will be shaken in such a way that it will be a direct result of God's wrath in the day of his fierce anger in which he will judge the wicked, in which he will judge the devil, in which he will judge those who have rejected his saving grace. That is why 
John the Baptist, when he came, he said to the Jews, so flee from the wrath to come. Even for the uh, when we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and we understand that God so loved the world and we preach God's love and grace. But the Bible says these words, flee from the wrath to come, because when you are in Christ Jesus, you will not be subjected to the wrath of God. The day of the Lord is coming and it's going to be terrible. Terrible, the Bible reveals to us. And what will it be marked by? Well, again, the Bible is clear. It talks about war. You know, if you go and turn and read the book of Revelation, you'll begin to see we're talking about war. We're talking about natural disasters. We're talking about fire. We're talking about pestilence and famine and death. I mean, this is serious. And get it, mark it down, earthquakes, earthquakes. Turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 6. Revelation, chapter 6. Because we have in, I want to read a few scriptures in the book of Revelation to just highlight this and bring it to our attention. Because it's a sure sign of what is coming upon the earth and upon the wicked. In Revelation, chapter 6, verse 12 to 17, where the sixth sixth seal is being opened. Now listen, I looked, verse 12, I looked when he opened the sixth seal and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig drops its slight figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Every, listen to that, every mountain and island was moved out of its place. People talk about climate change. They talk about uh, all the different things that, you know, are going to come upon the earth. They have no idea what is coming according to God's purposes. And in verse 15, now listen to this. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? You see, God is going to send a message to every king, to the mighty men, to the great men of the earth, to uh, the commanders, to every slave and every free. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what, uh, uh, you know, whether political leaders, all uh, noble, all the st- every individual, every individual is going to come to terms with this reality when God shakes the earth in such a way that the Bible says that men will tremble and they will hide themselves in caves and rocks in mountains. Probably not a good idea, but nevertheless, this is what's going on. So God is sending a clear message and that message needs to be, and and, uh, when I think of those things, when I hear the rumblings, when I hear of earthquakes, there are various signs and signals that the God is speaking through to his to not just to his people but to the earth trying to get their attention and so uh, uh, in, in actually in, in Psalms 
9, Psalm chapter 9, verse 15. The Bible says these words, listen to it. It says the nations have sunk to the have made in the net which they hid, their own court. The Lord is known by the judgment he executes. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Listen to that. The Lord is known by the judgment that he executes. How are men going to come to the realisation that God is real? They're going to realise because when God sends forth his wrath, when he sends a great earthquake and shakes the heavens and the earth, when, when, he, when he's displaying his power in the creation, I tell you, men's hearts will be overcome with fear and the reality of those things that are coming upon them. That's what the Bible tells us. The Lord's known by the judgment that he executes. You see, God's going to glorify his name. You say, well, what's the purpose of all of this? Well, I tell you, it's this. God's going to glorify his name and the name of his holy servant, Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus will be glorified in the earth. And so, uh, and so everything that's going on in the earth, as much as it relates to man, as much as it relates to the demonic, as much as it relates to the coming of the Antichrist, all of these things... Uh, 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 fall into insignificance when you realize that the greater purpose of all of this is the glorification of Jesus Christ and the manifestation of God's glory and his power in all the earth. That's what it's about. You see, um, even when God spoke to Pharaoh, the Bible tells us uh, concerning Pharaoh and the plagues that God sent upon that, the land of Egypt when he was bringing deliverance. And, you know, you read the Bible and the Bible says that, that God uh, sent um, uh, one of the plagues and then the Bible says these words, that Pharaoh hardened his heart. But as you read in relation to those plagues and as they progress, the Bible says this, then God hardened Pharaoh's heart because there comes a time when God intervenes in human affairs and uh, men are responsible. They have free choice, but they don't have free will in the, in the sense that they can just do what they want. And so once men has chosen to reject God, God in, in will then orchestrate the events in the world to suit his plan to fulfill his purpose and that's why the bible says that the nations are, uh, god will bring the nations he'll put them like a fish with a hook and he'll just draw them he's the one that sits in the heavens the bible says the nations they sit to some too the nations they sit and they they cunningly devise their plans but the bible says this he who sits in the heavens shall laugh why? It's only one of two occasions we hear of God having a sense of humour because, you know, man thinks that they're in control, but they are not in control. God is in control this morning and uh, God will move the nations. He will move the leaders. He will move all who thinking that they're bringing about uh, somehow their agenda. God says, no, you're going to fulfil my agenda and he will harden the hearts of men to accomplish it as he did with Pharaoh. So let us move on. In book of Revelation, there is the prelude to the seven trumpets. Revelation chapter 8, verse 5. Let me read it to you. Bible says, Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth, and there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So again, here's another earthquake that's been, uh, uh, that is manifesting, that is clear sign that God is in the earthquake and that his power and judgment is coming. 
Again, let's go to chapter 11, verse 13. Now, here is interesting because we're dealing with the, the two witnesses in the, the book of Revelation who have just been killed and the earth is rejoicing. And then after three and a half days, this is what happens. Let's pick it up in verse 13. In the same hour, uh, there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell. In the, in the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed and the rest were afraid and gave glory to God or to the God of heaven. You see, God, God sent an earthquake. He, he brings back these two witnesses after three and a half days. He, they're resurrected and they come back to life after being killed. And there's the great earthquake and men are in no way confused about what's going on. They're not thinking, was this God or is it not God? They know exactly what's going on. And they realize that it is God himself shaking the, the earth. And, uh, and the Bible says they were afraid. You see, you can see all of these things that we're dealing with in the book of Revelation and earthquakes and God's wrath that's associated with it. Now, there's one other aspect that I want to just bring to your attention. It's found in, uh, actually, it's in, in um, chapter 16. Chapter 16 of Revelation 11. I mean, sorry, verse 11 of this particular one before we go further down. But I want to draw your attention to verse 11 first. The Bible says, I want to point out the condition of the hearts of men because God's wrath is being poured out. We're dealing now with the fifth bowl of judgment that's being poured out upon the earth. And the Bible says in verse 11, they blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. And they did not repent of their deeds. They did not repent. In other words, they're identifying the things that are going on, but the hardness of their hearts is such. Like Pharaoh, they're not repenting. They're not saying, well, what, what, like, sir, what must I do to be saved? Like the Philippian jailer. But their hearts now are hardened against God, and God is preparing them for his ultimate judgment. So go down to verse 17. Let me look at the seventh bowl which is a, a, the result of the seventh bowl being poured out of God's judgment and his wrath. The, the Bible says the earth is utterly shaken. Let's read from verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying it is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. I mean, this is the, this is the mega of megas. This is an earthquake that has like had never, ever been seen on the earth where to culminate God's wrath upon the earth. And so here it is. Let me read it again. Verse 18, there was noises, thunderings, and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Now look at verse 20. Then every island fled away. And the mountains were not found. And great hail from heaven fell upon the earth, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague and of the hail, since the great plague was exceedingly great. 
See, rather than men humbling themselves before God, they're blaspheming him. They're cursing him because now he's pouring out his wrath in such a mighty, mighty way. And so, the, the, again, the point that I'm making in all this this morning is that God was in the earthquake. Now, there's different contexts. There's different aspects. Not every earthquake is a result of God's wrath or punishment. Don't misunderstand me. I've already established this. But nevertheless, this is where it culminates in the wrath of God and the judgment of God upon the earth. You see, men have no idea this morning about what is coming on the earth. And the, the, when I refer to the quake that took place in Melbourne, it was really just so insignificant in terms of what goes on in the earth. But I tell you, the timing of it and what was going on in Melbourne at that time, being in such a heightened state mentally and the circumstances that we're still enduring, God sent a, a little rattle upon this, this place to just let people know who's in control, to let people know what's coming to give people an understanding that God is in is sovereign and he rules and he reigns from heaven. And so there's so much more that we could examine here. But uh, I, again, I put the question to, uh, to us this morning. Are earthquakes just a coincidence? How can we say that they're just a coincidence? The scriptures speak everything but coincidence. And so the answer is, are they are earthquakes just a coincidence? The answer is absolutely not. Was our earth shaken just by chance, considering the circumstances? Absolutely not. I believe in absolutely not. And so I, I've covered five aspects this morning, and I just want to highlight them quickly for you, just as a reminder. It was to the first earthquake awakened men out of their slumber. The second aspect is to put the fear of God into men. The third aspect relates to the earth and the consequences of sin and the creation groans until the manifestation of the sons of God. So there's a direct relation correlation there. And uh, Jesus spoke about it as in terms of the sign of his coming and the beginning of sorrows, the increase of earthquakes is something that uh, uh, we see, but also it's something that is happening and has continues to happen and points towards the end of days. And the last aspect is the sign of his wrath upon the earth that we've just looked at. So God is moving. This is what I want to conclude with this morning. God is moving nations to where he wants them positioned. God is moving the earth where he wants them to position. See, man thinks that he's concocting a plan. Man thinks that he's in control. Man thinks that he's working it all out. But I tell you now, they are only moving in line with God's sovereign will and purposes in which they will one day encounter him in a real way, whether it be through death and they stand before him. And the Bible says these words, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, or they will experience him in the day of his wrath if they, if, if they are there and present during that time. And remember this, it's all about the glorification of Jesus Christ. I want to just close with you with some simple thoughts, if I could do this. I, um, as I studied this and was just considering all these different aspects, I came across a sermon and that would John Wesley preached a um, number of you know, a years, a couple hundred years ago now, or they're about actually 150, maybe, who knows. Um, but nevertheless, he, um, uh, he preached a sermon and he says it was titled The Cause and Cure of Earthquakes. 
And he made this statement that God sends the earthquakes. Let me read just a couple of things as I close. He says, of all the judgments which the righteous God inflicts on sinners, here the most dreadful and destructive is an earthquake. This, this he has lately brought on our part of the earth. So he's referring to some experiences then. And thereby alarmed our fears and bid us prepare to meet our God. The shocks which we have, if, if we have felt in diverse places since that which made this city tremble may convince us that the danger is not over and ought to keep us still in awe. See how he's interpreting these things? And he goes on to say, as he introduces his message, he says, I'm going to show you that earthquakes are the works of the Lord and he only brings this destruction upon the earth. Now that, God, now that God is himself the author and sin the moral cause of earthquakes, whatever the natural causes may be. So in other words, men will interpret it, you know, it's the plates of the earth and it's this and that. And, yes, scientifically it is those things. I don't disagree with that. But that's still not the cause. The cause there is something much far deeper behind all this that is spiritual. He goes on to say, when God makes the mountains tremble and the earth shake, Shall not our hearts be moved? Fear ye, fear me, says the Lord, and, and tremble at my presence in the book of Jeremiah. Will you not fear me who can open the windows of heaven above or break the fountains of the deep below and pour forth whole floods of vengeance when I please? Who can rain upon the wicked snares, fire and brimstones and a horrible tempest? So again, we're seeing these things this morning. You know, we then obviously John Wesley had a brother named Charles Wesley, and he was the one that would write many of the uh, church hymns that we're familiar with and sing. And a wonderful hymn writer he was. Now he's written it in Old English, so I'm going to try my best to interpret some of the things, but I want to read it to you. He says in this hymn, he says, "From where do these portents around that strike us with unwanted fear? Why do the earthquakes rock the ground?" and threaten our destruction near. You prophets smooth and cause explain and lull us to repose again. Or in other words, the world says, oh, look, it's just this. Don't worry about it. Just get back to normal life. But that's not what God's saying. That's not the message that God's sending. So he says, you prophets smooth, the cause explain and lull us to repose or sleep again. Or waters swelling for event or air impatient to get free. Or fire within earth's entrails pent. Or in other words, volcanoes. And we're seeing that even now uh, in the earth. He says, yet all are ordered, Lord, by thee. The elements obey your nod. And nature vindicates her God. The pillars of the earth are yours. And you have set the world thereon. Thy at thy sovereign word incline. The centre trembles at your frown. The everlasting mountains bow. And God is in the earthquake now. And that is how we must view these things. We must see God this morning. And when we look at the events of what's happening here in Melbourne, I mean, we are in unprecedented times of what's going on in our city. I mean, the, the world is watching what's going on and just the nature. We are today, I think it is, we've just reached the most lockdown city of the world in our handling of this coronavirus. 
And so everything is, uh, is, is such that uh, we are experiencing what we're experiencing. And I tell you this morning that, that that earthquake last week was not a coincidence. God was sending a clear message. He was in that earthquake as small as he was. He just got our attention and he's sending a message. And let us take heed this morning. Look up for our redemption draws near. God is at work. As one man said, and as I close, God sends the earthquake. He shakes the very ground under men's feet. He makes their life prospects to rock and quiver. He threatens with loss or he permits terrible bereavements to compel men to think of those things which otherwise they would not or would continue to disregard, to make men see the solemn realities which are about them to place judgment and eternity in full view before their eyes. And so in light of all of that this morning, I pray as I opened this morning in our text that, that, that men who are not saved would look at some of these things and like the Philippian jailer, they would say, Sir, what must I do to be saved? Because there's coming a time where men will harden their hearts that much before God that they will blaspheme him in the midst of such earthquakes that are coming upon the earth. And so may God have grace this morning. And remember, and as I would say to all the leaders of the world, and I say all because there's a lot that's going on around us right now, remember who's in control. God is in the control. God sits on the throne. God will order things and he will draw everyone. They think that they're working out their schemes. God sits in the heavens and he laughs and he's drawing men. He's moving nations. He's, he's, he's uh, 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 orchestrating all things because there's coming a day and it's not far away where Jesus Christ will return with his, with his church, with his saints, and he will be glorified. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. Lord, that our hearts can be encouraged. In light of what's going on around us, Lord, when we look to your word, when we look to you, God, we draw such comfort, such confidence and such God grace. And Lord, help us, Lord, in the hour in which we live. Some of these things are hard for the, us in the Western world to cope with and to deal with in the process because we're used to such liberty and freedoms. But that's not what it's like in the rest of the world. And we're getting a taste of just a little bit, really. And we, we feel the effects of that. But we realise, Lord, all of these things point ultimately to that which is coming. And that is the return of our Lord Jesus Christ and the day in which, God, you will reckon with men and pour out your wrath and your judgment. So, Lord, I pray your blessing upon your people. Come, Lord Jesus. We're looking up for our redemption. Draws near. Amen. God bless you this morning.